Hello, and welcome to A More Perfect Podcast. This is the first of four parts in my 2020 election coverage. First off, I'd like to apologize for being gone so long. I was finishing up with school, and also I almost lost this podcast, literally, because my laptop broke on me, and I had to send it all the way to a repair shop in Texas to get it repaired, so that was scary, but fortunately it's back. I mean, thank goodness. And uh, now that that's back and I'm done with school, I can finally record and talk about this election because, my gosh, was it historic. And I, I would give it a precedent, um, like the most historical election since XYZ, but, man, I mean, this, this was so historic that I don't even know enough history to give it a proper comparison. It is that monumental to American history. So... Bear with me here, because this is only the first part of four parts of my election coverage. This episode, this part, you could say, is about my general thoughts on the election and what happened. Looking at the election from the eagle's eye view, if you will. Let's just begin with saying that I had some sort of an epiphany. I it's It was really an epiphany. Uh, watershed moment in my thinking about the election like I literally thought this and then I had to write it down like I literally wrote like a whole series of notes on just this insane thought that I had because I I, I haven't heard it anywhere and and, and I, I haven't heard it anywhere since like and I read a bunch on politics like it's it's just what I do you know I research for the podcast um, I put it together and edit it and then I record it um, you you guys know this. If if you've heard the other episodes, I've talked about you know making it, and 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 all that stuff. But anyways, th- this was a really big thing. So there I was, right? I was just sitting there, you know, thinking about it. Um, probably reading a National Review article. I don't know. I was doing something, and it just dawned on me. I was assuming at that time that you know Biden had won the presidency, and it looks like now that I was right. Biden has won the presidency. So I was thinking about that and, you know, I was just kind of pissed off about it. Then I realized something. I looked at the polling and the questions that people asked Biden voters. Specifically, why did you vote for Joe Biden? And, well, I probably don't need to tell you this, honestly, but the polling suggests that a large number of Biden voters, sometimes even the majority of Biden voters, Voted for Biden for one reason, that he wasn't Donald Trump. Now, it honestly seems like a common truth. I mean, literally look around. Do you see Joe Biden yard signs? Mm Mm-mm. Do you see Trump yard signs? Everywhere. So you got to ask yourself, how did this guy win? Well, I mean, duh, people don't like Donald Trump. They weren't for Biden. They weren't for the Democratic Party platform. They weren't for the agendas. They weren't for the policy positions. They weren't for the big government kinds of stuff that the Democrats are always pushing and always will push. No, 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 no. They were just against Donald Trump. That's it. It's a singular reason. And that singular reason is probably the most important trend amongst the 2020 election, in my opinion, that was really overlooked by everyone. It seriously wasn't paid attention to at all because I guess it was kind of accepted as a common truth. I mean, again, like, I don't really need to tell you why Joe Biden voters 
voted for Joe Biden. It just kind of seems obvious. Well, it gets really interesting when you look at the other side. So you, you flip the coin and you look at Donald Trump's voter base. So when you look at people who voted for Donald Trump, the first thing you notice is versus his 2016 totals, a large, large number of people voted for Donald Trump this time that didn't vote for him last time. He actually expanded his vote totals by raw vote numbers by millions upon millions of people versus 2016, which is crazy. I mean, it was a huge, huge upset to the traditional, like, you know, CNN and uh, NBC polls that had Trump down 14 points in some states, you know, whatever. They were largely wrong in this election because Trump, again, expanded his base by millions and millions of votes. So, that, so that's the first thing you notice. And so that ought to be your first red flag here saying, okay, something's up, right? Right? So the reasons that people voted for Trump is for a agenda. Their, their vote wasn't so much for the man because most Trump supporters even said, okay, well, he could do this better or he could do that better. Some Trump voters wanted him to stop using Twitter so much, they think he's belligerent. Um, some vo some Trump voters, a you know, I would say a non-majority of us, uh, but this non-majority includes me, thinks that Trump's behavior is necessary for Washington and that we need Trump's personality in Washington to shake things up. Not necessarily that I agree with Trump's personality. I do agree that he's a bully and that, honestly, the man has a lot of... Uh, interpersonal issues i mean i just like th there's no denying trump is a jerk but to me he was an unnecessary jerk even if i don't like that he's a jerk so would that make me a jerk <laughs> i don't know meaning to say that um even amongst his supporters donald trump the man and donald trump the candidate he really wasn't that popular as a person. Sure, some people liked his gangster-style politics all the way, um, and, like, I, I get that. I mean, like, I, I understand those people, but it goes deeper than the candidate, and this is what I'm trying to get at here. You see, people voted for Donald Trump for a vision against where the country's going. They voted for Donald Trump because they like America. They voted for Donald Trump because he took a stand against this American culture that's rapidly shifting away from the middle of the country. It's rapidly shifting away and it's becoming something that people like me don't recognize. Let me just give one example. So these middle of the country people, people like myself, we agree as much as anyone else that LGBT people are deserving of freedom. They are just as human as, you know, you or I. They really do belong in society. They shouldn't be discriminated against. They are just as American and just as deserving and capable and what what have you. You could just say a million things. I mean, they're just normal people just like you and me. We really do tolerate them and we accept them and all that stuff. There is a line that the middle of the country and I'd say ordinary Americans draw. 
it feels like everything is being crammed down our throats like we're some ex-Ku Klux Klan or Nazi convert that we're just some back of the road, you know, up living in the hills, anti-social change hillbilly for lack of a better term that we are some uncultured swine that needs to be re-educated every single second we walk into anywhere about how these uh, LGBT people are oppressed in America and how America is a terrible place and that we need to tolerate and um, accept everyone that comes across our path and we need to really just make a space for LGBT people. Now, again, I, I really have nothing against LGBT people. The problem that ordinary Americans have is not with LGBT people, first off. It is with the forced, like, choke-it-down strategy that the American culture is shifting towards. We don't like stuff being crammed down our throats. We are already tolerant. We are already accepting. We don't need any more reminders. And yet, it just persists. It just keeps persisting. More and more forms of supposed discrimination keep presenting themselves every single day, and yet we don't treat these people any differently. There is no discrimination that people, ordinary Americans, can find. And yet, more and more and more keeps promulgating itself every single day. And it really is infuriating. This is why people at the root voted for Donald Trump. It is a stance against the shifting culture, against the radical, crazy, weird, cram-it-down-your-throat agenda that seems to be raising a fire across this nation. Sometimes literally. You see, this crazy, weird, cram-it-down-your-throat postmodern culture, postmodern, I like that, postmodern culture was the root cause of the riots. So anyways, getting, get, getting back to Donald Trump, the culture was a huge reason why people voted for Donald Trump. This and his policies, the policies of the Republican Party, like tax cuts, like standing up to China aggressively, like fair trade deals in the, in the international scale, pulling our troops out of the Middle East, which Trump has done, and uh, not starting wars, for one. That's a very good thing. All of these things that Donald Trump has done, the, all of that is a great thing, and a lot of people were won over by the policies and the cultural the cultural backlash against this, again, this postmodern cram-it-down-your-throat agenda that seems to be promulgating itself and raising a fire across our nation. All right, I, I know I went on kind of a rant there, but it was very important for you guys to understand that the reasons that people voted for Trump are very different from the reasons that people voted for Biden. And this is where my epiphany comes in. You see... The reasons that people voted for Trump and the reasons that people voted for the Republican candidates across the board were different because they were lasting. Joe Biden won the presidency because of circumstances. He couldn't win if there was no coronavirus. He couldn't win if Trump had been a little quieter and if he had been a little less loudmouthed. He 
could never have won this election in any other circumstances than the ones that all came together perfectly. It was like the perfect storm if you've ever seen that movie. The perfect circumstances that allowed him to win. This is the greatest news for the Republican Party I think I've ever seen. And I think all of the Trump supporters should really realize this and feel good about the future. It's, yes, it's a bad day now. Yes, it's a rainy day. But I, I assure you, the, the forecast is sunny. There is better days ahead. If you have to rely, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to the Democratic Party right now, the people that voted for Joe Biden and, you know, the crazy leftists. Again, it's, it's, it's not everyone on the left, but there's a growing, major, growing majority of them that are just crazy and radical you, you guys know this. So the crazy people, they had to rely on circumstances. They had to rely on temporary advantages. It can't last. They, they couldn't sell an agenda. They couldn't sell a candidate. They couldn't sell anything lasting. That's why I think that we're going to do very well in 2022. We're, we're going to take back the House. And I believe that since we're going to retain the Senate this time, I really hope if you're in Georgia, go out vote for David Perdue, for Kelly Loeffler. They're great, great senators. They're, they're going to represent you well in Washington, I promise. The, uh, the, the Warnock dude and the, and the Ossoff dude, they're just not with it. I mean, seriously, um, I, I would encourage you, if you're in Georgia, seriously, look up John Ossoff, Project Veritas. They, they did a whole expose on him. It's, it's honestly sickening what they found on him. So if you're in Georgia, look that up. Okay, um, th that was a quick aside to all the Georgia voters. Getting back to my main point, which is that the Republican Party can last. Keep pushing for the cause. The support for Donald Trump was much more than the man in the end. It was for the policies. It was for the cultural pushback. This is a very good thing. Joe Biden has nothing to stand on when John Donald Trump's not there. The circumstances of Donald Trump, they can't last forever. You know what can? The Republican agenda. The conservative agenda. And that, my friends, is a very, very good reason to be hopeful for the future. May have lost the battle, as they say, but we certainly will win the war. Okay, so moving on from that, the... Post-election was almost as exciting as the election itself, surprisingly. You see, after the election, as unless you've been living under a rock, everyone knows Donald Trump contested the election in the courts. I know, big news there. It's just breaking news. Donald Trump is a sore loser. Oh my gosh, everybody's shocked. Uh, spoiler alert, nobody's shocked. <laughs> so, Trump takes the elections to the courts. And as with everything Trump does... It's controversial. I mean, like, the man could literally go on a walk in the park and the New York Times would run some uh, totally false story about how he freaking pinned a squirrel to the wall and then just, like, mutilated it. Like, like I, I don't know. Like, they're, they're willing to say anything, honestly. The, the, the man is just hated beyond all belief. But then, on the other side, he's also liked in a very, very passionate way by a ton of people. So, he's very controversial. And you can imagine, this is his biggest act yet, okay? So, there's a lot of different views. 
but there's been this one view going around that I really wanted to respond to because it has a lot of sides to it. This view on Trump taking the election to the courts and trying to win through the court systems is this. The view is basically that Trump is an authoritarian menace who's using these frivolous lawsuits to undermine democracy and delegitimize our court system. His belligerent actions threaten to institute a new normal where every election is hotly contested and there's not an election without a court debacle following it. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack there. So let's just take it one thing at a time. So um, just overarching, I think it's a good thing that Trump's taking voted the, all the voter fraud to court. I, I think it's a great thing, regardless as to whether the evidence has merit, meaning that the evidence is like good and it's just not kind of some, you know, hearsay, unverifiable things. That's what's called merit. That, that'll be important for the future episodes. Anyways, I think it's a good thing that Trump took the voter fraud to court. It's within Trump's rights to do so. I also believe that the courts are made to arbitrate the truth even when we may not agree with the ruling. At the same time, I think that it's a harmful thing that Trump's sowing doubt in the election process by spreading all this misinformation about the election. For instance, Trump retweeted this stupid, blatantly dumb story about Michigan and a typo in their voter count as an instant as an instance of ballot insertion. He was like, one day on Twitter, he said, Look at the graph. It's big. I was winning. And then you see this big line. Boom. And suddenly, I was losing. And it's just, it's just despicable. How, how can I possibly lose? Must have been ballot insertion. This was just, <laughs> this is just stupid. I mean, like, literally, there's been so many fact checks on this thing. I'm like, look, I'm kind of skeptical on fact checks, too. But seriously, I mean, there's just been so much testimony. It's just a verifiably false, misleading story. It really was just some poll worker mistyped in the voter count, and they corrected it literally 20 minutes later. But, you know, count on Trump to retweet something stupid so i i honestly again i just spreading misinformation about the election how the hell is that helpful it's not so moving on from that um there was this people that were concerned that uh the belligerent actions of trump would threaten to institute this new normal where every single election after this is hotly contested in the courts i i don't think so honestly only time's gonna tell whether elections in the future are contested in the courts at a large scale um, I personally, again, I, I don't believe that this will become a normalcy for all the elections. I, I think it's harmful, though, that candidates have a, seem to have, to me, seem to have a harder time conceding nowadays. I mean, just look at Stacey Abrams. So Stacey Abrams was a governor in Georgia. She was a candidate for the governor in Georgia. Sorry. Well, two years later, she still has not conceded. She ran for governor in 2018. And she never conceded the race. To this day, she believes that the election was stolen from her and that she is the rightful governor of Georgia. That's a problem. I mean, seriously. Look, I understand not conceding an election when it's really, really close. Like the margin of votes in some of these states where Trump lost, it was like 0.2%. Okay, it was like 0.1%. Some of it was like very, very small. There was there was actually one congressional race in New York. It was decided by six votes. That's that's microscopic as far as 
voting totals go. So in in that instance, I, I I honestly can't argue with contesting the election and taking it to the courts. Okay, when it's that small, I understand it. But just looking at the overall trend, I see a lot of candidates nowadays not conceding. I think that that is pretty harmful. You you just gotta accept the loss and then run again in the future. I'm 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 serious. I I think that's very very harmful. Okay. There's other people that are calling Trump some authoritarian menace that's going to undermine the core systems. And all, all I have to say to those people, as per usual, is I think Trump would be a hell of a lot better of an authoritarian menace if he didn't let the election take place of all. I mean, that's what actual dictators do. And finally, I have some more thoughts on the Trump litigation effort. So I think that rather than viewing Trump as some kind of sore loser and accepting this disingenuous reality where we feel all guilty and bad for supporting a madman and oh he finally shows his true colors now they were all right and we were wrong trump really is crazy i can't believe i supported him for 40 okay cut the crap no don't don't say that to yourself the reality is this is exactly what we elected him to do and he realized our hopes till the very end you may think he did it harmfully you may think he's doing the right thing no matter your views, you can't deny this is exactly what we elected him to do. Our support from Trump comes from the policies. It comes from the stance against this radicalism that he took. It's so much deeper than the man himself. I Again, I encourage you to not stop fighting. The Republican Party has a renewed vigor in it. If you're a conservative, if you're a middle-of-the-road ordinary American, you don't live on the coasts, you're not some crazy, you know, cram-it-down-your-throat woke person, you've got a lot to look forward to in the future. This election was, again, only one battle, but we're not going to lose the war. So that's what I really want to leave you with, is don't feel bad about who you supported. After all, you stood up for what you believed. After all, you stood against this shifting, weird culture that you didn't like if you voted for Trump. There is a lot to be thankful for in this country. And the best thing to be thankful for, if you're really upset, is that we can win it again in four years. And hey, look, again, this whole episode is assuming that Biden's going to be sworn in in January. There still could be some miracle that happens and Donald Trump retains the White House for another four years. Personally, I'm pretty sure that Biden won the presidency, but there's a part of me that really doubts it. I mean, like I've seen the fraud. I'm, again, as I told you in the beginning, this is part one of four. And trust me, I have a lot to say about the freaking fraud. But... I just want to wrap things up here and tell you guys that it's going to be okay. Um, I, I think we all ought to just take a breath and realize that we're probably going to hate these next four years. And yes, it looks cloudy today, but things are going to get better. They really will. The country really did survive Donald Trump. The institutions, our democracy, all of that, it really did survive Donald Trump. And I promise you, it really will survive Joe Biden. No matter what the news tells you, no matter what everyone tells you around you, it really will. I promise you it will. The fight's not even over. We still have a race in Georgia. This is my second call out to people, that are my listeners in Georgia. Get out there 
vote for Kelly Lawford, vote for David Perdue, even if you didn't vote in the 2020 election, you can still vote in the runoff election for Kelly Lawford. You can vote for David Perdue. We need you because we need to retain the Senate to make sure that these radical people, and it does seem like the Democratic Party is shifting in a more radical more radical direction. We need to make sure that these radicals cannot sign their agenda into law. Because if they sign it into law, then that's, for lack of a uh, better term, that's it. That's it. You can't really go back from that. And I assure you, Biden will just sign whatever comes across his desk if the screaming's loud enough. And uh, trust me, the screaming's gonna be oh my God. Oh my God, Biden is such a puppet. I, I, I literally cannot emphasize this enough. Get out, vote for David Perdue, vote for Kelly Lawford. We can block their legislation. And in 2022, we can take the House back too. 2024, the presidency's ours. Promise you. So, all is not lost. That's been the theme this whole episode. All is not lost. And the forecast, even though it may look bad today, it's good tomorrow. So I want to leave you with that. This has been my general thoughts on the 2020 election. I hope you enjoyed. I actually got the podcast on a brand new platform. You can now play my podcast on Amazon Alexa. You just say, hey Alexa, play a more perfect podcast hosted by Dylan. And she'll actually play my podcast. So it's really awesome. I mean, it's on every single Echo device. You have a regular Echo. You have an Echo Dot. Um, they have like a million Echo devices. I don't even know how many now. But you, you can do that now. So seriously, um, go and play it on your Alexa if you have one. Um, I'm also on Spotify. So if you're on Spotify, then please subscribe. And uh, if you're on iTunes, give me five stars. Uh, follow my podcast there. Uh, we're also on. I am also on SoundCloud. So look me up there. I'm, I'm basically everywhere podcasts are streamed. I am. And so please tell your friends about this podcast and uh, rate me highly wherever you uh, wherever you see me. That it help. All right, that is enough for one episode. I hope you all have a great great rest of your week. And uh, remember. Have a more perfect day.